Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Asking for a Friend, the podcast where we try to answer the big and small questions in life that we're sometimes too afraid to ask. I'm your host, Elena, and today we're talking my recent run-in with a celebrity, why Black Friday has officially reached its expiration date, and what never caring about what other people think of you has to do with getting everything you want in life. And for this week's main topic, I'm talking with Lucy Sugarman about why is everyone better at life than us. But before we do, let's get into our first segment. Have you heard that? Hi, guys. I am so excited to start into this episode. To be honest with you, I, and this is the second week in a row where I did not feel at the beginning of the day, feel like recording, but we're here, we're doing it. The sun is shining outside. It's a good day. And I, when I thought about what my, have you heard that for this week is, I had nothing on TikTok. That's a first. That's, that's a definite first. I had nothing on TikTok, which really is, is weird for me. I have been spending less time on TikTok, which I'm very proud of. As you from previous episodes know, this is like my guilty pleasure. But I have one story to tell you that made me freak the fuck out. So this goes out to everyone who was a massive Game of Thrones fan. The other day, I was meeting up with a friend. I was working from this cafe and then it's this area in East London where I like to hang out and just work from cafes. I like the atmosphere. You know, I need people around me to get inspired, get creative, get motivated. So I was working from this cafe and then a friend of mine met up with me there. We had some coffee and then we decided, oh, let's pop into the grocery store next door and just get some snacks and then just wander around a little bit. So we both go towards the store and two women come towards us. And we had this weird interaction of like, no, you go in first. No, you go in first. And while I let my friend go first, and then I had this interaction with the, with the woman in front of me, I was like, oh, geez, that woman looks an awful lot like Emilia Clarke, Khaleesi from Game of Thrones. I quickly brushed it off because I was like, nah, she doesn't live in East London. She's probably like a Chelsea girly. And we were inside the store and I just heard her talk from like a couple aisles back. And I was like, what the hell? No, she also sounds like Amelia Clark. And then she was in front of us at the cashier. And when she left the store, the lady behind the cashier just looked at us, had this big grin on her face as if she was saying like, yes, that's her. And so literally we were like, what's that? What's that Amelia Clark? She's like, yeah, it's the Game of Thrones lady. I fucking lost it. And I'm not a person who gets starstruck really easily. Like at my last job, I worked with celebrities, with, with singers, with actors, with everyone. So I'm not the person who gets starstruck. I think the only time I got starstruck, and I'm probably going to regret telling you this on this podcast, but if you're from Germany, um, you know who Jimmy Blue Oxenknecht is. Um, I had the biggest crush on this man. <laughs> oh, this is, it's kind of embarrassing, but that was the only person I was really starstruck when he came to have a shooting with us. Yeah, but other than that, I work with some of the biggest stars and none, none of them I've ever been starstruck with. But there she was, mother of dragons, and I lost my shit internally. I really contemplated, and I've never done this. Like, really, guys, I'm always the person to be like, just leave that poor woman alone. Leave her alone. Let her live her life. Just also pretend that you didn't see or didn't realize who she is. And I was so close to just run after her and be like, I really love your work. You're an amazing actress. I love everything you do. Have a great Saturday. I didn't do that. So I just, uh, 
I cannot tell you. I literally, the first thing I did afterwards, I texted my brother. I tried to FaceTime him and he didn't pick up. He just sent me a message. He's like, hey, I can right now. Like, can we talk tomorrow? I was like, I just saw Khaleesi. And he just texted me. He's like, what? <laughs> I was like, yes, yes. So I literally had to text all of my friends and it's very unlike me. But at the same time, I'm not even ashamed. I'm not even ashamed because she's tiny, guys. I'm just realizing this, like all these things. So basically when we talk to the cashier and she's like, yeah, she's a regular here. Also, Maisie Williams comes to this shop all the time too. Arya Stark from Game of Thrones. I was like, what the fuck? Every cool person lives in East London. And there are a couple more interactions. I know that a friend of mine, she met FKA Twigs also in that part of London. And a couple more people apparently live there as well. It's, it's weird. Because they're just like us. Yeah, you know, like celebrities are not this like these aliens like outside of this world. I mean, they have of course they have lives as well. Of course they go grocery shopping. Sometimes you forget these things. But yeah, that is basically uh, that was fun. <laughs> such a just such a such a girly, such a starstruck little child. And now I'm kind of like wish I had told her because it must feel cool, right? It must feel nice to just not be harassed by people, but just get like the occasional like, hey, I like what you do. Have a nice day or like have a great rest of your day. It's, it's every one of us. We all crave validation. So I think next time I will just do that. This time, um, Amelia, if you hear this, <laughs> as if maybe someday, hey, your girl can manifest. I love you and you're amazing. And that's it. Okay. Um, on to a second topic that has been on my mind a lot this week. By the time you're hearing this, Black Friday has already passed. And probably, yeah, Cyber Monday as well. Even though Black Friday is no longer like two days, like Black Friday, Cyber Monday. It's like a whole fucking month. And that's also, here comes my hot take. Black Friday has reached its expiration date. And I tell you why. Because like, first of all, did you do Black Friday this year? Did you use all the 20% off, 50% off? Uh, get like, buy... One, get one free. I don't know what, what's happening, but it's kind of not a vibe, guys. It's kind of not a vibe. When I first heard of Black Friday, I was in America as an au pair. And it was literally the day, only the day after Thanksgiving. And people would queue up at Best Buy, at Target, everywhere you could get, get like the greatest deals. And it was just a day and you were really saving your money for this one day. And then on Cyber Monday, you could even get like great prices on flights and everything online. But now it feels so overused. Like capitalism really popped off in the past 10 years, but it's not a vibe anymore. I don't know. Also with the whole conflict going on in, um, in Gaza, very convenient to have a pause of everything there during the four days of Black Friday and Cyber Monday. I'm not a political podcast, but that it sounds it sounds it sounds like convenient, maybe a bit suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't don't be suspicious. Yeah. And I don't know how to feel about it. I did not buy anything for Black Friday. I'm contemplating, as you know, I'm recording this a little earlier, but I'm contemplating buying flights for next year on Cyber Monday. But then again, I'm also kind of averse to it. And like, do I really want to play into this? At the same time, things are getting hella expensive out there. So kind of like cashing in on flights a little bit might be nice. But yeah, 
What is your thought on this? I would love to hear if you have an opinion on this. Share it with me on social media. I would love to hear that because I cannot be the only one who thinks that Black Friday is overrated. And also, by the way, it isn't even that good of a deal most of the time. They just up their prices the whole year through and then put it back to the normal price during Black Friday and make us believe that it's an, that it's basically like a better deal that we get percentages off of it. Guys, they're playing us. <laughs> I think we do know that. I think we know that they're playing us. But that is Have You Heard That For Today on to That's Mental. And That's Mental, I feel very passionate about. Today's That's Mental because I had a conversation with a friend of mine. And um, when you see my laptop, I have a bunch of stickers on my laptop. Nothing special because a lot of people do that. But I recently have gotten into just like littering it with with stickers. It's all colorful. And whenever I sit somewhere or whenever I have my laptop closed, it makes me happy. I just look at it and it's like, oh, this is so nice. And I even designed my own stickers that I'm going to put on there. So this is, it's, it's kind of a vibe. And so when I was on the tube yesterday with my friend, we were talking about this and I showed her the sticker that I designed. And she's like, oh, I kind of want to put stickers on my laptop as well. Like, yeah, just like do it. What would you put on there? And she said, I have so many band stickers, like from bands that I really, really love. But you know what? Like when I put them on there, like that's super childish. I'm like, wait, back up. Why? Why is that childish? Yeah. I mean, if I put it on there, people would think I'm childish. I'm like, does it make you happy? Like, yeah, I love those bands. Like, okay, so yeah. But what if other people think this is not mature? And what if other people don't like it? It's like, does it make you happy? She's like, yes. So the thing is, if it makes you happy, Let's say if it makes you happy to have a laptop full of stickers. Why not do it? Because, hear me out on this one. What if one day, those stickers change your life? What if one year you sit at a cafe, and a girl at the next table sees your stickers and starts a convo, and it turns out she is the person you will found a business with? Maybe she's the person who introduces you to your spouse or your next partner or another person that gets you into a really cool new hobby. If you hadn't decided to put that sticker on your laptop, this would have never happened. Just think of all the opportunities that maybe have taken longer to get to you because you were thinking about what everyone else thinks. You're literally blocking your manifestations by catering to what people might think about you. Ask yourself next time you want to do something. Does it make me happy? And if your, if your rational mind comes in and it's like, oh, but that's childish. People will think it's childish. Does it make you happy? We are allowed to ask ourselves if something makes us happy. It doesn't have to cater to everyone else in the world. If it makes you happy, that is you following your gut feeling. That is you following your passion. And as long as you follow your passion, guess what? You will manifest the things into your life you wish you had in your life. You will get way faster where you want to be. Way faster. Have my stickers help me get to certain manifestations? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe some conversation at a cafe started out with those stickers. Maybe they started out with what I was wearing or who I was with. It doesn't matter. We have to stop caring so much what other people think about us. Because it's not our own life anymore if we do. It has to be our own life. 
This is how you manifest anything in the world. Because no one else has to understand it. No one. No one else has to understand why you want to do something, where you want to go. And if you're afraid that they will laugh at you, think you're childish, they will leave you, they were not meant to be in your life. They were not meant to share the precious space that you offer, that you bring with you. They were not meant to be there. And isn't it better to weed those people out firsthand instead of spending a lot of time figuring out that they're not meant to be there? And basically, it's costing you your precious energy. That is something to think about. So next time you think you want to do something and all these negative thoughts come in, like, what if they think it's childish? What if this? What if this? What if that? What if thoughts? What if thoughts are your inner critic thoughts? They're not you. They're not you. It's a part of you that wants you to be fearful because it keeps you in your comfort zone. And what grows in the comfort zone? Nothing. Correct. I know I'm laughing about this because once you're like, once you're out of this idea or like once you're out of this mindset of, oh, everyone again is against me. Everyone in this world is against me. No, they're not. No, they're really not. And trust me, I've been in this mood this morning and it was so hard to get myself out of it. But whenever I do, I'm like, oh, life is actually pretty nice. Life is pretty nice if I just stop thinking what could go wrong and start entertaining the thought that if I let more happiness in, if I let more things in that bring me joy, life can actually be really nice. That was That's Mental. And I'm really excited to now jump into our main topic. Guys, I'm so excited to welcome today's guest because she is a singer and musician from Australia. She came into the grand final at The Voice Australia in 2017 and has since been working on her own music. We actually met this summer in Barcelona in a random cafe. We're going to talk about this. But before she headed back to Australia to open for various artists, play at music festivals and release her own EP. It sounds like the life, right? So why is she the one to talk about sucking at life? Well, we'll get into it into this episode, but now I'd like to welcome Lucy Sugarman. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited too. Like, what time is it in Australia right now? Because we are recording this at 9 o'clock in the morning where I am. It's 8 p.m. So yeah, it's all across the world. But I love this so much. Thank you so much for being here today. No, it's such a joy. You know, I love talking to you and I'm really excited to chat about this topic with you as well. It's definitely been something I've been thinking about a lot recently. So yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Before we get into all of this, let's quickly jump into the two questions. So question number one, Lucy, who's your celebrity hall pass? So... Honestly, I think both these questions will end up tying in together because obviously you sent them to me before we jumped on this recording. I don't believe in the concept of a whole pass and that's my unpopular Ooh. opinion. So, this is a first. I love this. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, you know, for me personally, I just think if I am with someone and they're like my my life partner, I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to get with yeah. anyone else, no matter who they are. Like I'll love yeah. and appreciate hot people and celebrities from afar. Don't get me wrong. You know, like we're all human. Um, but yeah, I just don't really agree with the concept and like, you know, good for everyone else. I can go for it. But yeah. that's just for me personally. And I hope my partner would echo that sentiment too. But I will tell you my celebrity crush. 
And that yeah, is shallow. I was about to ask. One <laughs> but I, you know what? Yes. As like the amount of <laughs> the amount of TikTok like thirst trap videos I have seen about Formula One drivers, it's insane. And before that, I had no inclination of watching any sort of F1. And after that, I was like, I, I maybe I can get into it. No, who am I kidding? I'm not. But I'm I can't appreciate the TikToks. Dude, I love Formula One. It's never had a good time because I'm in Australia, obviously, and I'm not dedicated enough to wake up at like 4am to watch it but I do enjoy the highlights my entire like Instagram and TikTok explore page is obviously the Formula One thirst traps I had like the biggest crush on Lewis Hamilton from like a young age I used to watch Formula One with my dad all the time and it was like a little activity we'd do together um but yeah big Charlotte Claire fan (laughs) he's really getting stopped by Ferrari this season I think so I have like no knowledge (laughs) yeah it's like you're like innocent and you're like yeah dad I'm gonna watch F1 with you like for the sport but I actually have I actually have a sport (laughs) but you know what you know why I I'm kind of like marked I'm kind of marked by F1 because um I used to date this guy and literally on the first day we would just go to dinner and he would he would whip out his phone and be like, "Is it okay if I watch like F one while we're eating?" I'm like, "No, the fuck, no, no, that's a child. That's not a that's that not a man. Yeah, like any sports. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I'm like your favorite person. Like you got to be present with me. Sit there. Like exactly. Even I'm, if it's just I, the first I day. It. I like am a crazy fan about stuff. Yeah, totally." Like I'm, oh yeah, even if it's a first date, like, I don't know. I'm crazy about stuff. I love being passionate, but it's just like, I feel like that's rude. I wouldn't do it personally. <laughs> well, there's a reason why this, Sorry that happened. we didn't end up together, right? No, that, that's okay. It's like, it's one of these, mm-hmm. it's one of these, like, it's a lesson. And it told, it basically taught me what I'm not going to allow anymore. So, Hey, good on you. Shout out to the dude. This is a first, like, Wrapping the hall pass and the unpopular opinion into one. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm obsessed with it because I've never thought about it that way. Because for me, a hall pass was always like a, it was a concept. For me, it was never in the realm of like, maybe it is in the realm of possibilities, but I was never like with my celebrity hall pass, who is Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Would that be nice? But then it's like, it, it kept in the realm of, yeah, but. Am I that delusional? So it was always quite innocent, even when I came up with this question for the podcast. But it's nice because you always get into a good conversation with people because it's such a topic where it's like either people are gung ho for it or they're being like, I don't know. I don't know. So that was yeah, incredible. Totally, totally. And it's like, it's a fun thing to talk about and think about. Like, obviously, I think about it. Yeah. I just think like, you know, the concept of a whole pass in general. But it is a fun conversation and talking about your celebrity yeah. crushes and being like, oh, this person's so hot. So I exactly. totally get what you're saying. Right? It wasn't to say like, oh, I think no. it's bad. But that's just not for me personally. Yeah. But I know some people <laughs> rock with it, you know? And yeah. good for them. Yeah. If they have a mutual agreement with their partner, power yeah. to them. Open relationships yeah. and such. But I'm I'm with you on the fact yeah, of like absolutely hall passes in like like celebrity hall passes is different than a hall pass in general. So that's that's where I draw the line. I was like, Yeah, no no no. A celebrity is like because yeah, it's it's totally. so out of the ordinary and but like the other mm-hmm. way, like no, um I, I don't share. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't do that. 
Yeah, no, totally. Um, Exactly the same. Lucy, why we're here today, our question for today is why is everyone better at life than me? And this, I want to kind of get into why we even came to talk about doing this episode together. Because we were talking about timelines, we were talking about the pandemic as well. And I think we should touch on that today. But I would love to enter this episode, this part of the episode with uh, how we actually met. Do you want to recount this from your end of the spectrum? (laughs) Yeah, I would love to because I really consider it one of the like pinnacle moments of my whole trip to Europe. Like it's something that I so vividly remember. And it was just like so unexpected and out of the ordinary. Um, and I feel very blessed and privileged that, you know, things aligned and um, it happened. So to give everyone context, I went to Barcelona during my first ever overseas trip as an adult. So I unfortunately turned 18 just before the pandemic hit. And so that meant I didn't go on like, you know, the usual Europe trip gap year that a lot of Australian teenagers do, um, didn't get to travel, didn't really get like the party time because we're all in lockdown and, um, travel had only just sort of become a thing. Um, and all of my savings that I'd saved up through high school to go on that trip in 2020, I just spent over the three years I was still at home, um, ordering a lot of clothes, spending money on recording music, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, travel was really out of the question once things opened up. But then um, my friend, my really good friend Zalia um, was like, you should just buy flights and then like it'll force you to save up and go. I was like, yeah, I could just buy flights and go. And so it was a really spur of the moment. Like I decided to go in March and I flew out in July for like this seven week trip and Barcelona so far by the end of the, that week in Barcelona had been my favorite location. So I was really riding a high and I was like, it was my last day. My friends I'd met in the hostel had gone home. So I just like took myself out for a little coffee and I was like, I should go to a new cafe, but I found this really good one that I really liked. And then I thought, I'm going to go to the one that I really liked. And I'm so glad I did because I think what happened was we ended up seated next to each other in this cafe and we were both writing postcards um, (laughs) in this Barcelona cafe. And I turned to you, which is like so interesting because I'm normally really, really shy and don't really like approaching people or starting conversation so I don't know yeah. what sort of prompted me to do that but we were both writing postcards and I just turned to you and I was like oh we're doing the same thing and we just started talking um and I think one yes. thing that I'm really sort of learning about with myself is that when I first meet people I tend to either be able to really connect with them or not at all and there tends to be not really an in-between yeah. and um Elena you were totally one of those people that I just felt like I could just talk and talk and talk and talk with and I, I found that's really yeah really you rare. missed your tour just because I'm quite you missed your anxious yeah you missed your Sagrada Familia tour for oh me. yeah I did too I could I, I completely forgot about that so then we started talking and we're just picking each other's brains about different things and I had a tour book to go see the Sagrada Familia um and I don't know. It was just such good conversation and I was yeah. really inspired and I was like, kind of got to the time where I had to leave and it still would have been a bit of a tight thing. And I was just like, no, I want to chase this. Like, you know, 
This yeah. hasn't ever happened to me. I haven't really met someone like yourself before and it was really cool. I was like, no, I can come back. It's kind of familiar will be there at some point. Hopefully, who knows? Exactly, right? <laughs> but um, like, yeah, and then I think we ended finished. up spending the day like doing exercises and things like that and just talking. It's really nice. Which, you know, like, yeah, it's great. Yes. Yeah. Also, did I, did I ever tell you that I wasn't initially also going, not going to be in that cafe? I oh, planned no, on did. going to it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really funny that you said that you were also torn between two cafes because I wanted to go to this other one. And last minute I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of craving pancakes. So let me go to the spot that I have been going to all week. I'm a serial offender when it comes to this. When I have a cafe that I really like, I return. I return and I'm going to be there chatting to the people and building up rapport with everyone. Right? You as well, right? So, and I wasn't Same. initially going to go. Same. And I wasn't initially going to go to that cafe. And then last minute I was like, you know what? Screw that. I'm just going to go there. I know they have amazing mm-hmm. breakfast. And this is how we ended up there. And the sheer, I don't believe in coincidences, but like, I'm going to call it coincidence. The sheer coincidence of us being a from like different parts of the world, but being on the same continent, in the same country, in the same city, in the same cafe at the same exact time. So many things had to fall into place. And even now you recounting that you were initially not going to be there. So that's why whenever someone says, yeah, no, it's just coincidence. Like, I don't believe in that. There's like, there's people that are meant to come together. Absolutely. Like that is, yeah, that is pretty crazy. And like, you know, the fact that we've stayed in contact and you've been really mentoring me and coaching me has been so amazing, like still months and months on. And that was one of the key takeaways from the trip and the trip, like as cheesy as it sounds, like going to find yourself in Europe, like it's a very Australian thing to do. It really like, I really learned so much about myself and so much about what I want and what I care about and things that I'm passionate about and what it feels like to not have to worry about things at home or, you know, the little things and just getting to wander around countries where you don't know anyone. Like it was so special and formative and I like, I'm itching to get back. What happened once you got back to Canberra? Yeah. So when I first got back to Canberra, I definitely got that post trip blues feeling. Obviously you're riding the high of travel and lots of exciting and new things happening. And I wasn't necessarily working too much. I was working a little bit remotely while I was over there, but I had the opportunity to switch off. And so coming back to Canberra, which is like, it's the capital of Australia, but it's like, it's really quite a small city. Like I think it's only population 400, 450,000. It's a very government centric place, obviously being the capital nature, very quiet, nice suburban place and like a beautiful place to grow up. Don't get me wrong. And I try to remind myself like how privileged I am to grow up in such a, you know, beautiful place. Like, yeah, it's incredible. But obviously, you know, with the way that you perceive life and the way you grow up, like I think coming back from Europe, which I felt like just opened up my perception of the world being like, oh, the world's out there. People live so differently. There's so many things to do (laughs) and learn and see. Not that there isn't that in Canberra, but I think when I got back, I felt like there wasn't. And I felt very like I had this amazing time. It's like super halted. And I just felt so low for a while, which I think is like a natural thing to go through. But I think in a sense, it definitely reminded me that, you know, I meant to move out of my hometown three years 
prior. Yeah. Um, but I didn't because of the pandemic and now I'm still here. My roots have sort of grown. Um, and so it can feel like you're stuck in your mind. You tell yourself yeah. like, oh, but I have this and I built this and I've done this and I've done this. And it's really easy to get stuck into that way of thinking. So yeah, when I, I think when I got back from the trip, I just, yeah, it felt sad and a bit blue, which is, you know, again, yeah. natural. And I think now a few months on, I'm like, mate, like I'm so lucky to live here. And, you know, I have the privilege of being able to work and save up to go again. And I have that to look forward to. So yeah, yeah, it was just kind of like adjusting my perspective on that sort of thing. But I certainly felt very down after and quite stuck. Was it easy for you to get back to this kind of this up evil of like coming back to a more positive attitude of because naturally when you come back and i want to touch back on um for a little bit if that's okay with you to uh the voice australia mm, because that must have been like a big moment in your life as well a bit where you were you were 17 right uh 15 Fif oh god 15 so, yeah. so like with 15 yeah so i turned 16 that year but it was just before my 16th birthday it wrapped all up so yeah, yeah. How was that? Because like, when we talk about timelines, some people, they wish they would have been where you were. So it's, it, it seems like this is something like a milestone, a pinnacle of someone's career or life. So how was this for you, like getting into that kind of industry so young? Yeah, I think I'm really grateful because I've had the time to go through that teething process early and still have a lot of time yeah. to build upon it I think unfortunately there is a notion which I reject and I don't want to buy into but there sometimes is a notion that there is sort of like an age limit on pop music or the music industry which I do really think is changing and as it should um so in a sense I do feel really lucky that I went through all of that younger because it gave me time to rebrand from the voice to grow from it to learn from it and I also got to go through it with my dad being present there and having a support network because yeah. I was under 18. So in a way it was really positive that way um, because, yeah, I had a really close support network because I think at any age going through a reality TV show is full on. Like it's really full on. you got cameras yeah. on you. Yeah. Like 90% of the show is talking, not singing. And so I think yeah. – I would love to remind anyone listening that those type of shows are not the music industry. They definitely serve a purpose yeah. and they can start careers and get you connected, but it's not really. Yeah. Um, but I think what it did for me was definitely get my foot in the door. Coming off the show, I got a publishing deal and I got to start writing music with different producers and songwriters. And that was a really cool yeah, way to get started in the more professional sense. And I think it, I got to build an audience. I got, more exposure. Um, I also got media training through it, obviously just a lot of trial and error with interviews. Yeah. And so those are all really helpful skills for music. Um, I yeah. always tell people, I don't think I'd let my kid on the show. And oh, I don't say more. that in a way of like, Oh, my parents put me on it. Not at all. They kept no. saying, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to do this? There are a lot of times yeah. they wanted to pull the plug But they also saw me as like a young teenager and a young adult that I really wanted to commit to it and I wanted to do it. And yeah. it by no 
means was damaging or anything. And I'm really glad I did it. And I'm really glad my parents were supportive, um, but also played that parental role in like giving me a way out and giving me choices. And, you know, if anything really bad happened, I I know they would have stepped in for me. Um, But in hindsight, I think, you know, it's not a very forgiving environment. Like by the end of it, even the adults, you know, that were like 10 years older than me, was still like, and like people would cry and egos would get hurt and you're doing 14 hour (laughs) days. And there was an incident where, you know, towards the end of the show, because I think this was when the show was sort of like, you know, free to air TV was still a thing. Like it was a lot more popular. It was before streaming was really popping off in terms of shows and things. Yeah. And I remember I was walking through like the mall that was near where the hotel we were staying was. And like, I could see two people on either end of like the food court, like filming me. And they started telling us like, Oh, be careful what you say about the show outside of the show, because there might be like daily mail people next to you. And it's like things oh like that as a 15 year old, like I, I really just like, find that hilarious. But I'm kind of looking back. I'm like, Oh, it's a bit weird. And it's one of those things where there is inevitably a power imbalance. There's a power imbalance, even if you're a grown adult, um, because you feel yeah. like you have to listen to the producers and you want to stay on the show and you want to keep competing. And if you kick up a stink about anything, you get booted off because they need people that are going to cooperate and play the role so they can make their show. Yeah. Which, you know, to some people it might seem sinister, but I think that, you know, they have a job to do. They had a really good yeah. duty of care through it. Um, you know, they had a lot of services available to us and they were like, from my view, as upfront as they could be without yeah. you know ruining the function and the premise of the show. So from everything you're telling me about the voice, I feel like this this is a nice segue into also the topic of this episode because you had to listen to so many people around you telling you what was the right thing to do, where to where to go, what to do, how to behave. I just read the Britney Spears memoir and like this what you're telling me about even as a 15 year old having to be so aware of what you say what you do and everything it just it just gave me a flashback to the memoir because if you if you haven't read it yet it's mm. it's a good read it's a, it's an easy read but i was just sitting there I was oh like, i would love to crap and just i cannot imagine you like having to endure even as like 1% of that but what i wanted to get is that So you've been told on The Voice, like how to behave, what to do and by other people. Um, How do you see this in your in your personal life? Are you living after what you're striving for or are there certain timelines, timelines that you see in? And I'm going to explain what I mean with that. So I'm a little older than you. (laughs) And so basically the timeline that for me as a millennial is like the the normal timeline that's kind of being pushed by either your family or like the friends around you. It's like you go to school, you um, go to college or get a job, and then you meet the person of your life, you get engaged and you buy a house, you get kids, and that's it basically, right? So we're still living on that timeline. And that's why this question actually came up for me because a lot of the time I feel like I am behind, even though, and this is the fucked up part, I am living the life I dreamt of right now like i'm literally doing what i want to do but still sometimes i get these i get these comments where it's like hey when do you want to settle down what about kid and all this how do you feel about this especially with a hindsight on you literally 
quote unquote, missed three years in the pandemic at such a pivotal time in your life? Yeah, I think I still haven't quite really processed it. And I think, you know, obviously a lot of people can echo that sentiment. Like I feel like we've sort of just like, oh, that happened. And now we're just doing other stuff, pretending we didn't just have this huge event that we're going to see like the fallout of for years to come, particularly with, you know, the people that were studying their undergrad for like medicine or law during that time didn't yes. really get the full experience, like that type of thing. Um, I'm seeing it in my younger sister and how it impacted her schooling because she was in like the final years of high school through it all. And I, it kind of like my heart breaks for her and like I respect all those kids' resilience, but it would have been so tough. It feels strange because I don't know. I feel like I'm still 18 big time in that sense. And um, I think, you know, we definitely all experienced the pandemic skip, but it is weird that now everyone my age have like finished their undergrad and they're getting like their big girl and big boy jobs. Um, And, you know, (laughs) we're starting to see like people branch off into their different things. Um, Yeah. I think that that sort of, weird experience of watching everyone else do all those things, especially post pandemic where all of us are feeling like we've missed a lot is totally exacerbated by social media because those algorithms are built on, um, you know, preying on our insecurities and like wanting to see what other people are doing in comparison. It feels like almost like a drug want to keep, you know, wanting to keep scroll and look at, you know what I find nowadays even more like aggravating sometimes than than Instagram because TikTok is good for me. Like TikTok, I feel it's like this lighthearted and I see things from all around the world. Instagram is more of like the showy like, hey, I had a baby. Look at me. And also like, you know, people sharing cool stuff. The platform that I am, I don't know. I like the platform, but then again, I don't like it. It's LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, this is sometimes <laughs> the, the platform that gives me the most like, am I doing enough feeling? Because I'm on like a regular day, I have like 15 people being like, I just started a new company. I just started a new job. Hey, look at my achievement. And this is, I'm like, should I, should, should I be making 10K a month? Um, am I, should I have a team by now? Am I not doing enough? And I think that is like important. The, the timeline that I have for myself is obscured so much because I see all of these people celebrating their big wins, which I am happy for them. I'm excited for them. But I realize I can only take a certain amount of that. So what what about you? Like what social media platform is like your <laughs> your black hole? Uh, TikTok, because the algorithm is so smart and uh, yeah. you can just keep going and keep going and keep going. It's got the best dopamine hit and they know it. And they know exactly and then what I want to see. And they know exactly what's going to keep me on there. Cause at least Instagram, like it's your, your home feed still very much who you follow compared to yeah. TikTok where like the main feed is your for you page where it's like algorithmic. Yes. And so, yeah, I really struggle with that. Um, with comparison. Yeah, definitely Instagram. I personally prefer the comparison than the like deep scroll where I'm still on and then suddenly I've wasted all this you time. You do? Even though I love it and I love really? funny little videos, but I I really, the doom scroll just makes me feel so bad. 
or just like the constant yeah, that's true. thing. Um, in terms of LinkedIn, I think everything on LinkedIn is funny. I have group chats with like my real life personal <laughs> friends where we just talk to each other in corporate talk just to make it funny. Cause then you don't that's like true. take it too seriously. And like all social medias yeah. are highlight reels and they're curated. One thing I just really struggle with is just like that mental gymnastics and trying to like employ yeah. techniques to beat this freaking AI algorithm that knows oh. me so well. And I am yes. just a little that- 22 year old teenage girl trying to fight a machine. Like, <laughs> you know, that's the funniest thing as well because at me at 31, I have no idea how to feel. It's, and, and I, I credit that to the pandemic as well, because there were three years. I, ca- I think you call it the skip years, right? Yeah. And, and so. Yeah. The pandemic skip. Yeah. The pandemic skip. And it's, it's a real thing because we got in there and it felt like time was frozen because nothing was going on. And now we expect it to, to keep on going the same that we were going before. And that can't happen. That's not possible. I used to be the person who could go party on Friday, Saturday and still go to brunch on Sunday. And I can't do this anymore. And that's not because of my age, because I'm like, oh my God, I got so old. No, it's because I have found so much solace with myself. And I grew like I grew to be such a homebody because of the pandemic years, because we couldn't be around people that I realized I'm an extroverted introvert. So it, being with people, it actually drains my energy, even though I love it. I love connecting with people. I love being around people. I love meeting new people. It just drains me. And then I need my like two days at home with a book and just no one else where I can recharge my batteries. That didn't used to be the case before the pandemic. And then sometimes I question myself, I'm like, who am I? And that came into this whole big like identity crisis of like, am I the person that got into pandemic? And how am I like, what has that, does that have to do with me being on time with what I want to achieve and where I want to be in my business? And I think this throws me into this whole spiral into questioning every single part of my life and getting out of that sometimes is quite challenging. Yeah. And I think the other thing with all of that is that because modern life is so busy and it kind of felt like one day we just woke up and everything was normal there hasn't really been like a grieving process and I don't Mm -hmm. think a lot of people have talked about it because it was really tough time for a lot of people I know it was actually horrible for me in a lot of senses obviously again I was in a really privileged part of the world and I acknowledge that but in terms of my mental perspective at the time um, I was yeah. really not in a good place. And I think that, you know, when we got out of lockdown, you just kind of had to wake up like, oh, I haven't been to like, well, actually I was working through the whole pandemic too. I was an essential worker. I was in a healthcare clinic, um, an allied healthcare yeah. clinic. Um, but you know, everything just kind of snapped back to normal and you went into busy life and everyone was trying to compensate for the fact that, oh, I haven't been out. I haven't done this. I need to do this. I need to catch up on this. Yeah. And it's just been crazy, 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 crazy. And there's been no acknowledgement or grieving process or healing process for the neurological overload we experienced through that. Like, you know, exactly. it was kind of like the shattering of like modern life as we knew it. It was like, you know, Gen Z millennials, like event, obviously you guys like probably remember nine 11. That was a big thing. And then yeah. the financial crisis and the next thing was like the pandemic. And that was really defining And I think with the addition of social media and being at home and 
all those things, the connectedness and being able to really see all this information all the time. It's just like a lot of things our brain, I think probably isn't naturally wired to deal with. I'm not actually meant to think about stuff across the world. I'm meant to be frolicking in a field. <laughs> and there's a lot of beauties oh of God, modern life. And I, a lot of those things I went to take away. Like I, I love that I can go on Spotify and listen to all this music. It's awesome. And I can call my yeah. friends who live around the world. And I, I love that. It's really cool. But there's also a lot of other aspects of that toad knowledge. I think it's also interesting that you mentioned like, oh, it's not my age because it totally isn't. So I mm-hmm. recently finished up a job um, at a live music venue. I was working there for about a year and a half. And we were running a music festival for students and all these student events. Um, and the difference in like participation and drinking trends between the 18-year-olds coming through that have went through high school in the pandemic and what I remember my experience fresh out of school in 2019, just before the pandemic hit, um, is so, so different. Like kids aren't drinking anymore, which is great for their health. Is that true? That people are like, that younger people are no longer drinking as much? Yeah. I mean, in terms of, yeah, the numbers and things throughout venues, like drinking trends are on the big decline. And I think you'll find that, yeah, especially, I'm not sure if it's across the world, but certainly in Australia, we have a very, very strong mm-hmm. drinking culture. Like alcohol is very mm-hmm. much in the fabric yeah. of our society and socializing and getting on the beers, which, you know, I love every now and then. Just finished up a job working at a live music venue group um, that was at a university, the University of Canberra. And it was part of a wider student union called UCX. And what we did was run events for uni students and put on live music for uni students and a music festival and those sort of things um, for the students. And it's so interesting. Pre-COVID in 2019, our O-Week events would sell out within like days of being announced. And we're talking like... In our big venue, our 17 Ocean Cap venue, they'd be sold out and we'd have events Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Um, this year, we didn't sell out a hub show, which is about 400 cap. And then mm-hmm. our large music festival, I think we had about 900 attend. It's capacity, 3,000. And Stonefest used to be one of the biggest festivals in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, and I think, yeah. you know, obviously another contributor to that is cost of living as well. But this generation that went through high school, which are those formative years, year 10, 11, 12, through the pandemic, were home. They weren't socialized. They didn't get to go out and do feral young people's stuff because they had to be at home. And, um, you know, those years are so formative in finding yourself and interacting with people and having, you know, maybe your first boyfriend or girlfriend or, those type of things. And that just didn't happen to them. And I've observed that in my sister's friends as well. Like they're all way happier at home. Like my 18th, which was in 2019, I think I had 130 people at my house. It actually, with like credit to my friends, nothing got broken. Everyone was super respectful. We even had some gate crashes and they were really nice. Everyone had a great time. Everyone got out of there at like 11 or midnight to go to the city. My mom was like impressed. She was like, wow, everyone was so nice and respectful. Like there was a lot of people, but it was totally fine. There's still like yeah. a lot of drinking and blah, because I was one of the youngest in my grade. So everyone was 18 by that point. 
And my mum prepared for that for my sister's 18th. She like made like these cool little shots for all the, because my sister was also the youngest and all her friends were 18 at this point. She made like shots for them and had drinks ready and like had the fire pit section and was like people proofing the house and everything. And it was so like they were chilling. They got there at seven when it started, all 40 of them. And then they all had left by like 10.30. They didn't go to the city, they just went home and went to sleep. And like way better for their health. And respect that they can yeah. go and just have fun and talk to their friends and then go home. My mum ended up having all the shots herself. And oh my I God. think that, yeah, it probably has come from not observing maybe the grades above them going out and yeah. it being this whole thing and and not really having a concept of that. And so I think but like, that's really interesting that you say it's not my age because I actually just, I don't think it is. I think everyone's experienced the burnout but also getting mm-hmm. probably more comfortable with themselves, but also just not observing it for ages, especially during those formative years for younger people. Oh, I'm literally what this episode is about. Like, why is everyone else better at life than me? I feel like everyone is further along. Um, everyone has like, is doing it better than I am, is coping better than I am. So do you actually think that it maybe is an age thing? You know, maybe the way I was framing it before, I was like, oh, they're more comfortable at home. But I think that particularly with Gen Z and like those anecdotes I was describing before, I probably like later Gen Z, whereas I still got a little bit of time before the pandemic where I went crazy. I also work in music, so I love going out and I'm like, I try to have the stamina, even though I still find myself getting definitely more tired than I was at 18. But I think that Gen Z as a result of social media and obviously going into recession and then obviously being at the information age and, you know, having all these world events right at their fingertips on their screen all the time, I think they've inevitably become more, uh, nihilistic and yeah, maybe not nihilistic, but definitely like more impacted by state of the world things and, I do think, you know, we're seeing rising levels of depression and anxiety as a result of social media and a lot of other factors. Obviously, I'm not an expert on that. I can't really speak too much to it. Um, But, yeah, I think what I have noticed, and, again, this could just be totally anecdotal, one-off, but just, like, around me or talking to maybe some of the younger kids who had turned 18, like, during, like, lockdowns and those type of things is that... yeah. There's a lot less like sort of like drive and zest for life that comes with that as well, mm-hmm. which I think was a really special thing that I remember when I first turned 18. I was like, whoa, the world, let's go, let's go party. And so I think, yeah, there's exactly. a little bit less of an inclination to go out and experience things, not just drinking and partying, but out in general and socializing because you got your phone. Yeah. And I think that's really sad. And I find myself doing that yeah. sometimes. And I'm just like, I just need my phone time. But it's like, why do I need my phone time? I feel like, having a nice like cup of tea with my friend or going for a walk. Like, yeah, I think there's that side of it too. And, you know, every generation will have their struggles or their things that they go through. And I think this is going to be ours and, you know, worry for myself. I worry for my future kids if I have them as well. Yeah. You know, I think I'm glad to have my phone a lot, but I'm super reliant on it and it can make or break my mood. And I think that's really scary. So I think in terms of feeling stuck because, you know, this 
I know, I keep going back to algorithms. I literally wrote a whole record about it. I can't. I think I just think about it so much because I'm just so connected to it. But I think it really feeds into feeling stuck because there's so much information and stuff out there. So I was like, oh, I don't know what to choose. Yeah. And then you're also addicted to it. And then you're just like at home and it's like this cycle. And I think, you know, just trying to find those techniques to master that. Yeah. Um, and try to like, that's you know, a good segue beat though. This, yeah. This strong algorithm that's trying to like, do this thing it's yeah it's it's hard and i think that's i think it's a a good segue into kind of how to deal with these feelings of feeling stuck of feeling like everyone is ahead of you because um back in the day you were having like a timeout by watching tv by like playing video games nowadays you take a timeout by going into nature which is like so bizarre. It's like so backwards that not, back then we took a timeout from real life with social media, with like going into the online world. And now we take a, take a break from the online world by going into the real world. And I think that is a major part why we feel like we're stuck, why we think we are the only people who are sucking at life, who are not doing life right, because we see it everywhere. Everyone, as you already shared, is showing their highlight reel. And this is not news. Like we know this, but still we see the 1% and we get so sucked in because most of the time we are in front of a screen of some sort. If it's not the computer screen when you're at work, it's your phone. If it's not your phone, it's, um, it's ads, billboards everywhere. You're bombarded with ads for buying more stuff, for enhancing your life to be better. So it's absolutely natural to to feel like you're measuring up because every place you go in the world, except the woods, you are being told that what your life is, is not enough. It has to be enhanced with something. And that has such a toll. It takes such a toll on our mental health that we feel like the amount of people I know that say like, I would love to just move into a cottage in the woods. And just be there without a phone. The amount of times I'm saying, like, if I didn't have my business and were promoting my my services through it and, and connecting with people, I would not have social media. I did a social media break for about a couple of weeks, I think two months. That was the best thing ever. My mental health has never been better. And still finding the balance, that's the reason why we think we are behind in life because we're shown everywhere. And so I think one of the remedies, one of the ways to get back a sense of control over these thoughts that come up and that keep on circling in our heads is really, and I know this sounds like such an easy method, but it's not, really schedule your screen time. It's, it's the, most, the most we can do because that is the source of our unhappiness. Because if you're always comparing yourself, what you're doing, and I see this now that I work with a lot of musicians as well, the amount of time, and that's actually something I want to refer back to what you said at the beginning, that there's a certain age that is said to be like, oh, if you're over the age of, I don't know, mid-20s, then it's harder for you to get into a career in music because no one wants to see like older artists which in itself is so wrong it's it's so damaging and and so i hear this a lot of the time and then go on tiktok and see all these young and -and up-and-coming artists coming out with all this music and you cannot do anything else but compare yourself to them 
And it's not as easy to get out of the comparison spiral because once you're in it, you keep on measuring your own success on someone else's being and someone else's success. But what we don't know is the backstory. We don't know where they started. We don't know if they had maybe people who were supporting them from the get-go, if they had friends who are producers and DJs and all that. We don't know if they grew up rich or if they grew up poor. We literally only see that tiny speck of what people and what we decide to show the world, what you decide to show the world, what I decide to show the world. No one will ever know the whole spectrum, not even the people close to you and around you, because you're the only person that can be there to witness the whole spectrum of emotions and events that go on in your life. So one way I would say to stop this machinery and to, to put a halt to this constant thought of, I'm the only person sucking at life, is really finding a way to be where your feet are to be in the moment because everything else is you trying to play God is you trying to look into a crystal ball and be like, Oh, if I only did this, then in five months I can be there. You don't know. And the only thing you can change is to hear it now. And that's the hardest part. It's the hardest part, but also it's the, it's the part that, that helps us connect to who we are and that goes through. And people will say that comes through meditation or through journaling. Those are all great ways. The first thing you have to work on, though, is to become your own best friend and really check in with yourself. Is it actually good for me to be on social media? Is it actually good for me, like the amount I am? And be really honest with yourself. Absolutely. And man, you just put it so eloquently. You always do. But what you just said there, like even as someone that is very conscious of the algorithm, I literally have written essays about it for uni i've written songs about it i'm always like watching videos on it still using the algorithm to do so which is so ironic but what you said about how our entire being especially modern life is around like we read things that are trying to like sell us things say you need this and it will make your life better and that's literally everything you're always getting advertised to and i think that's exactly it. That's exactly why people feel so stuck and always comparing themselves because we're designed to be frolicking in the woods or hunting animals and be in our little yes. communities and not really have too much to do with outside world. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of beautiful benefits about globalization and the connectedness. Don't get me wrong. And I wish there was some yeah. way to sort of find a nice middle ground there, but who knows, you know, if we had Ooh, the yeah. answers, we'd be doing it right. Um, but I think that's such such a great way to put it. And I think that's something I'm going to take away from this and remind myself that yeah, everything is about like, yeah, just trying to sell you things or saying you need this to make your life yeah. better. Um, and I think I'm just going to have to like stop and remind myself that's what's happening when I am scrolling on Instagram and I feel really bad because someone else is doing this really cool thing. And I wish I was doing that. Yes. Um, and I also think what you said about musicians, It's so tough because Mm -hmm. our industry has now shifted to being so dictated by TikTok. That's so hard. Um, And streaming services have obviously like just completely eradicated income from records, which is, it's really tough. Well, I am an avid Spotify user as a consumer. It's amazing, but it's just so, 
so horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also because now people, you know, because there's so much choice, people aren't as invested in being a fan as maybe they were like 10, 15 years ago. And they're yeah. not, you know, as invested in buying records or coming to shows because it's always the new viral hit all the time. I think I read somewhere, and I can't remember if this is the exact number, but it was some big percentage, maybe 70 or 80% of the songs uploaded to Spotify have been uploaded since 2020. That's how much music is out there, which is super crazy. Yeah, because people had time. Um, yeah, people had time during then as well, totally. It's all good. But you know what it also is? During that time in the pandemic, people were actually able to let boredom in. And that's another thing that is important if you want to get out of this hamster wheel of feeling like everyone's better at life than you is allow boredom because boredom brings you back to what you want. Boredom brings you back to creativity. And yes, um, I don't know the last time that you were bored. Um, I don't, for me, I cannot really remember it because every time there is the possibility of me being bored, I find something else to do. So I am this constant spiral of productivity, of doing, doing, doing. But what we need, you guys, is boredom. Just sit in a room, stare at the wall for like half an hour, and you will not believe the amount of creativity that you have in you. And that's the thing. I think during the pandemic, that's why so much creativity came out of that is because we were stripped of everything that was telling us who to be and what to do. And we actually came back to what do I actually want to create? Who do I want to be? And we let creativity through. And that's, that's, that's one of the good things that came out of the pandemic. Um, while this was a wildly horrible time for so many, it's, it, one, quote unquote, good thing is that we were able to be with ourselves and focus on that. And I think that's also why a lot of people became homebodies. Yeah, I think um, in lockdown was the only time that I really sat down and started teaching myself how to produce and use a digital audio workstation to like make music because I had the time and space to. Exactly. I do think that if if we all got bored and there was less stimulation and things going on, the working class would get way too powerful. But I think we've also seen that in the past couple of years. Like people's worldviews have shattered and people are waking Mm -hmm. up to a lot of things that are happening as a result of that boredom. So I totally agree. Stillness and boredom is what we need because, you know, the modern world has so much resistance to that. Yes. and so, yeah, it is interesting hearing you say that because it's so true. I feel like you're just like putting all these little thoughts I've had bouncing in my head into a succinct sort of pattern, which is obviously your job. So that makes sense. <laughs> but, also but, you, um, but also you provided yeah. it. <laughs> but, um, kind of, kind it's of collaborative. Too, That's what it is. Exactly. It's, it's always a collaboration. But to bring this um, to basically to to put this all together because we've been talking for almost an hour and uh i'm like i could talk to you for like two hours but i think like no one's gonna listen afterwards yes honestly (laughs) my mom would she would maybe i reckon she would like this whole posture yes 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 i agree (laughs) share with your mom the 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 listenership for like uh people over 30 needs to go up Okay, I but got it. Lucy. She'll send it to all her friends. I already know. 
See, that's why you're like also a marketing genius. But Lucy, my question for you is what is your, what is basically your last thought on our topic? Like, why is everyone doing life better than me? So Lucy, um, to bring this episode basically to a nice close, what would be your last thought on everything we talked about today? I think this was a really healthy and special reminder that you just don't know what's going on in other people's lives. And it is so special that everyone has their own journey and brain. Like there is no copy of your brain. That's really freaking cool. And that, yeah, the reason we are feeling these feelings is because we do exist in a world that, you know, preys on comparison and selling you things and being like, you need this to be better and the progress narrative and all those things. And, you know, when those feelings do come up, when you're scrolling, just remind yourself that and that maybe you do need to go and get bored just to readjust. Our brains weren't designed to deal with this. And there's always little steps you can take to combat those feelings. And it's easy for me to say this on this podcast. I struggle with it so, so, so much, like so much. It's just like, yeah, just learning those little mantras and techniques to get through it. And I guess, you know, life's about becoming the master of your own brain and learning things. So yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that we've obviously covered like such a huge, yes. huge breadth here. And I think it's so funny that we've come to back to the algorithm again, but it really is so prominent in it this is. feeling stuck and comparison. Um, and so, yeah, I guess everyone has their highlight reels. And everyone has their real life. Yeah. And the only real life that you'll fully know is your own. That's a good thing to take away, I think. That is beautiful. You recapped it beautifully. And so my last question for you, as I ask any of my guests is, Lucy, what are you asking for a friend right now? And it's so funny because I prepared this question not knowing we were going to talk about what we talked about. But it was, and I'm, I could you not, how do you cope with... And I feel like he kind of answered it because yeah, I'm kind of embarrassed. Like, you know how much I'm scrolling on TikTok all the time. And sometimes I don't want to admit it. And it's a scary thing to ask about. So I am asking for a friend, but I feel like we dived in, like we dove into that a lot here. And so I guess, yeah, if anyone has any tips or things that they do that really works or good pages to follow to break up that feed or any like secret settings that I don't know about on certain apps. Hola, I would love to know. (laughs) Oh my God, we're going to put that on the story and in the question box below for sure. Lucy, before we exit this episode, where can people find you? What do you have coming out? This is basically your place to shamelessly promote yourself. Ooh, I appreciate that. Well, you can find me on all the social media platforms at Lucy Sugarman. Sugarman spelled S-U-G-E-R-M-A-N. Um, I just released my second EP, Spiraling Over Discourse on the Internet, which is kind of really touches on a lot of what we spoke about in this podcast. So if you want some like listening to accompany it, um, go check that out. Um, I'm going to have another song coming out before the end of the year. It's a demo of something that people really liked on TikTok. Very ironic. Um, so that'll be coming soon and if you're in australia come to a show i'm always playing around and hopefully i'll be coming to europe to play shows in the future (laughs) 
Oh, next year. Next year. And also, can I ask, is the song, is next it my favorite song? It's not. I'm sorry, but that will come out. It has to come out because it's oh. everyone's favorite. It's my favorite. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, thank you so much, Lucy. I cannot wait for this song that's coming out. Um, thank you so much for being here. And now to all the listeners listening in right now, what are you asking for, friend? Put it down in the question box below. You will find all infos to Lucy in the show notes. I'm Elena. I'm your host. You can find me on Instagram at, at Elena Megan. Everything else is going to be in the show notes as well. This podcast comes out with new episodes every Tuesday and you can listen to it wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, obviously. So can't wait to see you next week. Don't forget to subscribe and tell us all your asking for fun questions. Thanks again to Lucy for being here with me today. And I see you next week. Bye.